Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 106, I am your host Jared Weich, alongside me is Jordan Jarvis. Kung Fu Kenny! And Dominic Orlando. It's here. It is here. We are officially in Red Dead 2 territory. No, Dom. Fire up the hype. It's we are on in Spider-Man territory. We are in Spider-Man territory right now. Well, I would say we're in striking distance of Spider-Man. We're in Red Dead territory. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. So excited. Can't wait. Um, Let's hop into it, what we've been playing. Um, Speaking of superheroes with Spider-Man, I was talking to you guys in chat of... uh, In my my anticipation of Spider-Man, I had realized that I'd never beaten the the Arkham games. Um, I played... off of memory, I played about half of Asylum. I only played a little bit of City because I owned it on PC, and I just don't really like playing games on PC that often. And I've played about probably 30% of Night. Uh, I had recently played that because I remember I talked about it a couple of months ago when I was playing through it, and then something came up or whatever. Um, but anyways, I started... like, can I Can I interrupt you to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> There's actually a story, you know... The sequence, and you should play them all in order, and you're like, get a little <laughs> bit of that one and some of this one, and then a little of the last one, you know. I mean, <laughs> they're relatively standalone, too, I, I would say. I, yeah, I, I they're totally largely standalone. Uh, I would almost play them in order just for, like, uh, the gameplay um, chronology, like how they got better over time. Well, I did play them in order, I just didn't finish them. <laughs> good yeah. point, good point. Any, yeah, I did play them in order. Um, anyways, so I, I recently decided just to go back. Um, I had the um, the um, ports um, for Xbox yeah, One, the Xbox Return to Arkham or whatever. And I know people have their issues with, like, they're not as good as the originals. They messed up colors or whatever. D- that shit didn't really matter to me. It, it was fine. Um, fucks up the tonage, Jared. <laughs> it's, it's, it was fine. Uh, anyway, so I played through Arkham Asylum. I... T- I tweeted about it. Um, the stealth was still really solid. Um, the story I still liked. Um, some of the issues I originally had playing through it, um, I still had. Like, I think the combat in that game is like really repetitive and not interesting at all. Um, and obviously, I didn't finish the game the first time around, but I knew and had heard about the Joker fight and how um, lackluster that was. And when I finally got to it myself, I understand where people came from. It's like all of this led to that. It's just kind of like okay, you know what I mean. It's just it's like whatever. Too, the fact that yeah. he like has the bane. But so. like the level design of that game and the stealth mechanics and there's a lot of that game that is so good. Um, just you know the way they peel back all of these characters that you expect from the the Batman universe um, is really solid. My only other complaint was like obviously I don't think the game is super hard by any means, but the poison ivy fights like a weird difficulty spike. Um, it's just, like, a lot of those bosses in that game are real easy. Like, Bane's fight is, like, ridiculously easy. And then the Poison Ivy fight is just, like, a crazy difficulty spike of you having to dodge these plants coming up on the ground while also fighting enemies, while also throwing batarangs at her. It's just, like, very convoluted. I don't think it was well designed. Um, it's definitely, like, the most video <coughs> game-y feeling of all the boss fights in that game. But uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I would still give it, like, an 8.5, I think is what I said. Um, really enjoyed my time with them. Glad I actually were able to cross up that I beat it. Um, start up Arkham City. Um, and one second. That one's the best, I think, easily. So the funny thing is, so I've started up Arkham City and I've been playing it and I'm not enjoying it so far. I'm only like five hours in. Um, obviously a lot of stuff translates over from Asylum, right? Like, so like the combat and a lot of the controls and filtering through your, your, uh, bat tech, but like, there's some stuff that they don't really explain off the bat in that game. Like when you, so when you first enter Arkham city and you get up on the roof after you have your scuffle with penguin, um, you see all of like the joke, the, sorry, the Riddler, uh, like symbols and stuff. They never really explain how to do those. Um, at all there's like no tutorial on how to do those i actually had to google how to like complete them nowhere at the beginning of the game does it ever tell you how to do that um thought it like i think there's like i could be wrong but i think there's a quest like you come across eventually and then it kind of introduces them like formally it may be a side quest but like yeah yeah yeah, side quest that like you like come across you, you get your radio call and you go to help someone and then it's like oh the riddler and then 
like a cutscene and yada yada, and then I think it. I could be wrong. I, that's definitely how it happens in Arkham Knight. Yeah. Um, I'm, I would hope. <laughs> Otherwise, in you're Arkham right. That's Knight, really dumb. He's like got somebody captured. I think. Like. Yeah. He, yeah. And, you, and you actually go to his base, and that's where you find out like you have to do them all and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So it's just that's weird. I know it's a weird complaint, but like. Yeah. They're, they're so well integrated into Batman Arkham Asylum where it's just you're finding these hidden trophies. So for this one, it's like they're all over the map. They're they're really obvious because the whole, like, color tone of the of the game is, like, blacks and grays and these green things stick out like a sore thumb. So it's, like, it's just weird that they don't explain it to you off the bat. I could easily miss something. I'm not saying I'm not at fault, but well, from what I've played, I didn't run into anything that showed me how to do it. Yeah, either way, it should be something that's made clear like you shouldn't be able to miss it so yeah. I, I really have an issue with games doing that and so I totally feel your pain yeah um, but it's cool like I love the beginning of the game with the penguin thing and then obviously rescuing uh, Catwoman from Two-Face um, the cool thing about playing it now is that when I originally played it I didn't get to do like the little and it's very short but the little like uh, intro with Catwoman where you control her if you guys remember, that was only relegated to people who bought... I think it was either they pre-ordered or they bought a special edition of the game. That wasn't so, for, like, the base copy. Yeah, I remember doing those. It. You've been able to get access to them for a while now, I think. They were free. But yeah. uh, they actually pop up throughout the game. Like, you'll play her several times. Yeah, I'm just saying that when I originally played uh, City, I didn't um, right. I didn't have that unlockable. So it's not like a crazy thing. It's just a cool little, now that I have like the complete package or whatever. They're, um, they're fun little missions, and they actually, um, I agree with you about the combat. I think the Arkham combat is is pretty rough, and the fact that people actually you know try to emulate it for other games is kind of mind-boggling. But uh, the Catwoman combat is actually pretty solid with her flipping around and using her whip and stuff. So Yeah. Well, the coolest sentiment I've heard with Spider-Man is that a lot of people who are proving it are saying it's like Arkham's combat, but it's a lot more difficult and skill-oriented. Like, there's a lot more you have to do, and it's not just, like, mashing buttons. And though, like, a lot of the combos in, in the Arkham games are cool, it does get kind of repetitive. Um, the only thing that they ever switch up is, like, oh, you have to special attack this guy because he has a taser, or he has, um, uh, he can't He's get, like, phased. Armor, yeah, something like that. So, um, so far, I'm not enjoying it as much as Asylum. I think another issue with this uh, is that I've already played Arkham Knight, and with City, I think if I would if I would have completed it after I had completed Arkham Asylum before I played Knight, I think I'd feel different about it. But already having the experience of Knight and as big and open as that city is, though Arkham City is still kind of big, it seems like a weird middle step. If that makes sense, I don't know if Definitely. I'm getting no, that across clearly. It's yeah, because you know it really is only a section of Gotham, old Gotham, and uh, it's came out at a time where you know open worlds were still just cracking things open. So I, I definitely agree that it feels a lot smaller. Yeah, and obviously in retrospect, it's going to feel a lot different than at the time when it came out, right? It was probably like awesome mm. and great, but playing it now, it's just like, it's a weird thing, because it's like, it's not necessarily like a huge open world, but it's not like Arkham Asylum, where it's like confined, it's just like this weird middle step. Um, but I'm enjoying my time with it, I don't want to be super like negative or pessimistic about it, I'm still playing through it, I'm trying to get through that, and then obviously Arkham Knight before Spider-Man comes out, so hopefully I can do that. Um, I'm not going to be going for like 100% or anything like that. I just want to like get through the game, obviously. Um, do some side missions here or there, but I'm not killing myself over that. Um, I started doing that in Asylum. I was like, let me just, when I finish the game, I'll just go back and like, you know, get trophies and do the challenge. I'm like, no, no, I gotta, I gotta cut it off at the head and just move on to City. Um, real quick, I don't want to spend too much time on the, these two things. I played Fortnite a bit um, for the simple fact that my friend who's in the army, my best friend, came down and he had just wanted to play some Fortnite, so I was like, sure. I mean, I don't like the game a lot, but I don't really get to spend a whole lot of time with him, so I'm like, cool, play it. And I also played some PUBG as well. One thing I will say with Fortnite, we've talked about the microtransaction thing that they do better than a lot of other people. The other thing they do, um, Dom, I'll say this to you because I know you've also played Fortnite, is like they're very good at that carrot on the stick in terms of like daily challenges to have you come back and play. Um, so like there's that carrot on the stick, right? And that's one thing that I wish PUBG had. That's one of my gripes with PUBG is that though PUBG is a, a good game and I think it's superior to Fortnite in a lot of ways, for the general audience, there's no reason, like incentive to come back and play it daily. 
There's nothing. There's really no incentive to come come and play unless you just want to play PUBG. Like, there's no unlockables that are, like, time-specific. There's not, like, daily challenges that, like, you know, pop up every day and are new. And in the current age of games as a service, that's something you kind of need to have, especially for a general audience who's quick to jump to other things. Like, if you don't give somebody a reason to come and play your game every day, they might not ever play it ever again. And I know for us, that's fine. Like, we're cool moving on to games. But it's just something I noticed with Fortnite of, like, that's just another reason why people probably go to it because they have a reason to log into Fortnite every day, right? They don't really have that on PUBG. So Man, I'm glad you say that. And, like, that's the kind of shit that, to be honest, I, obviously it's, yeah, they need it. That's really smart and a good practice for them to you know, make money and keep people coming back. But that's the kind of shit that I just scoff at. I just I don't really like it. it, it I can I see right through it, and I'm like, fuck that. Like, they have that in Battlefront, right? Every day you come in, you get just a daily loot crate just for signing on, right? Um, and then different daily challenges. That obviously cycle way to go dom you turned on your playstation exactly <laughs> and it's like it, it, that's what all it is is just a carrot just to get well, you to log in and open the game yeah I'm like let me explain it a little bit more clearly because i understand where you're coming from and the baseline stuff yeah is like whatever the reason it works for fortnite is because with the battle pass and that stuff you have to earn xp and levels to unlock like skins and and cosmetics right and i don't know if they do that in battlefront maybe they do but the challenge is they reward you with more XP and stuff to get higher levels so you can get skins. Yeah. So it's a yep. way to help you, even if you're somebody who doesn't want to spend a dollar on the game, it's a way to help you move up and get those really cool skins and stuff because they're daily challenges. So they actually do mm-hmm. reward you for something. And I'm like you, I'm not somebody who necessarily needs those challenges. Like I don't like thrive for them. But if I'm going to be playing PUBG with my friends, it'd be cool if, like, get a sniper kill. So as much as I've played PUBG, it can sometimes get monotonous and a little boring. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, I'm going to focus on trying to get this sniper kill this game because at least I have something different to chase. You know what I mean? So it's not yeah, something that, that... Like, I'm crushed to do, but it's an idea to give me a new way to play. So In addition to that, too, at least in, I guess in PUBG and Fortnite, it doesn't really count but because <laughs> there's only one game mode or, like, very few game modes, whatever. And, uh, and at least in Battlefront, it gets you to try other games. Like trophies and achievements, right? Like, yeah. oh, I got to go play. Th- and most of them are really attainable, right? Like, play three matches of, you know, assault battle or what is it called? Galactic Assault, right? And that's all you have to do. So it's not like it's not like the, you know, the deep challenges where it's like get 100 headshots and like those those kind of ones. It's like stuff that's very attainable and gets you trying different things. That part of it I really like. It's just because, like you said, we're the kind of people that like we play a different games. So the idea of. The idea of like sticking with one game and always trying to come back to do these challenges and making that like your main game, that idea to me is like, I would just, I can never do that. I just yeah. move on after a month or two. I want to move on to the next game. But I obviously I get why they want people to stick with you know, <laughs> well, 101, right? I love PUBG so much and I wanted to continue to, I don't want it to have like a crazy drop off and the challenges thing is a way to prevent that for a lot of casual gamers, you know what I mean? So it's not necessarily a change that I want because it'll directly affect me and make me play PUBG nonstop, mm-hmm. but it's something in the grander scheme that I'm like, hey, maybe it's just something that would help and benefit. Um, so, yeah. Um, were you going to say something, Jordan? Just that <clears throat> ever since PUBG started getting popular, I've always been surprised at the fact that People are so hooked on it without it ever really having a hook, like uh, a progression system or anything like that. So it's uh, interesting to hear you say the same thing that I've been thinking. Yeah, the only progression system it has is you earn battle points for your performance and you can use those to buy crates to get cosmetics. So it's like, yeah, whatever. But there isn't like other built-in systems like Fortnite has, right? So it's like the reason the reason I stick to it is just because I think it's like the gameplay is so rock solid. Um and it feels so good. So, um, the last thing I played uh, is Madden 19. Obviously, they have like the EA Access early preview stuff. I'm somebody who's played Madden every year since like 2000. Um, yeah. It, either 1999 or 2000, somewhere around there. I've played Madden every single year. I've purchased it every single year. Um, this may be the first time I don't purchase Madden at launch, um, partially because of what from what I've played, and partially just because. I'm going to be buying a PS4 shortly in Spider-Man, and that's like a lot of expense, and I can't really justify buying that. And then I had to buy Spyro a couple of weeks. I don't have to, but I'm going to buy Spyro a couple of weeks <laughs> later. And like that's you a lot of money to, already spending. On. Yeah, and I'm like, I can wait on Madden. Um, and so the game plays great. Uh, the you know the UI in the system is good. They made some changes where you can 
So you know the whole NCAA situation where they want to pay athletes so like they didn't allow them to make NCAA football anymore? The cool thing with NCAA football is you can play a season in that, save your draft class, import that to Madden, and then use that in your Madden franchise. You can kind of bring your guys from college and draft them into yeah. the pros. It was really cool. This year, Madden added the ability for people to create their own draft classes, and then you can import, you can download and import them into your Madden franchise, which is weird because the whole reason NCAA got shut down is because they were using the likenesses of players, but I don't know how Madden can allow... And here, the thing is, it's all user-generated content, community-generated in NCAA football, because none of the players, when you buy the game, none of the players ever look like any of the players at the college. People would go in and make the custom rosters, and then you'd have the actual college rosters. So it's weird that they're allowing them to do it in Madden, where you can create the draft classes of real people that exist and use their likeness, but then they can't make the game. And I think it's probably simply due to the fact that it doesn't involve the word NCAA in it, you know? Like, it doesn't involve that, so that it's like a bypass. It's very weird. Um, and I'm going, like, on a tangent that you guys probably don't care about. No, I'm, I'm actually... I'm, I didn't even think about this, because that's actually really fucking interesting. I could not give yeah. any less of a shit. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird that they, they're, they're barred from making the college football games because of likeness, but beca- because their community would make the rosters correctly but they can allow that on madden to do the same thing it's it's very weird it doesn't make sense to me oh man there's something there that i it it's it's it feels like a bit of a reach but i think there's something there that there could be a line that would be that could be crossed potentially um and if i'm an ncaa player you know if i'm fucking what's his name i don't know these guys anymore i don't know (laughs) one of the high you know high profile ncaa players like and there's like a custom you know character build of me and madden being imported or whatever enough times and it's like standard and everyone knows who it is the same number and i don't know at some point like i'm gonna want in on the revenue from that right yeah that, then you get into a lot more web of legality and weird stuff but but there's something there and i'm it's it's interesting i want to think about it more um yeah i don't want to go i don't want to harp on it too long but real quick um gameplay's cool my only two gripes with it or I guess one gripe is that the the running animations for the running backs is really weird. It looks like they're running with like a bunch of like sh- crap in their underwear. They got a load. It looks pants. it's very weird, and they made the the, the switch that way. One cut backs, which is a certain st- style of running back, they performed a little bit better in the gameplay. Um, they fixed a lot of the passing mechanic errors and stuff like that, but the running just seemed kind of weird. Um, I enjoyed my time with it. Um, I know people say every year Madden is just incremental and they don't really fix much. There have been years where you see drastic changes and somewhere you see like not so much. And it's coming from some. I've played the game every year. Um, this is one of the years where it's an engine refinement because they switched over to Frostbite last year. So this is a very like narrow incremental upgrade. You know what I mean? This isn't one of the jumps, though everybody thinks that they're all narrow increments. But this is definitely one of the smaller gaps in terms of change from year to year because it seems like they're just trying to fix the frostbite engine which we've heard so much great things about mass effect andromeda you know um so that's uh that's that that's my madden 19 review um not a huge fan of antonio brown being on the cover um but that's what it it is what it is um not into that guy um i don't want to go on too much longer so i'm not going to cover these in depth but i uh spider-man uh amazing spider-man issue 3 came out yesterday really interesting story happening there um and, and I'm not into it. I'm you're not? not? I, it because I, I really because, like it. Uh, they basically did a very similar thing with DC Rebirth and Superman. Um, where, I mean, I don't think it's that much of a spoiler. It's Clark Kent and Superman that are like meeting each other, just like Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And it's like, what's the deal here? You know, I thought they were the same person. So I, I was just not super Yeah, I hadn't read that, so I don't really... Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I caught up on Iron Man as well. Uh, Tony Stark's, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man. Uh, like that as well too. Um, I've read a bunch of other things, but I don't want to harp too. I've gone on long and long, long. So what about you guys? What have you guys been playing? All right. First off, I'm going to hit you guys with this. Halo 5. Jared, I've been playing the campaign. I restarted the campaign because we talked about before how first time I went through it, I wasn't of a sober mindset. <laughs> enough so that I was convinced that I was playing split screen. Apparently that doesn't exist. <laughs> anyway. What in the fuck? I'll have to tell you later, Jordan. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
I'm like probably two thirds of the way done with the Halo Five campaign, and dude, I don't know. It's really good. I don't understand like what the problem was. Um, it's uh, I mean, Locke is not. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so maybe, game. so maybe that's why I'm like I don't get it because like I never even paid attention to any of the marketing, and even if I did, it was years ago. Would you say that the story revolves around uh, Locke chasing down Master Chief, who is a fugitive? And uh, they're like head to head, like going up against each other. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. I'm on. I just finished like mission mission eight, and that's literally what's been going on. I mean, there's deeper stuff like Cortana's a little crazy, maybe that I haven't figured it out yet. But and she's activating these guardians. Um, but like so far, that's that's been what's going on. And there was an awesome cutscene where like Chief and Locke literally hand to hand fight, and I was like literally like sitting there shitting myself, like, oh my god, this is fucking awesome, like. Like two Spartans, just like man. maybe it's about the culmination. Combat. Then, like the end of the game, maybe I don't know. I haven't finished yeah. it either, so I have no idea. I don't know. I think it's really cool, and it's. I mean, it's more Halo, like gameplay wise. It's nothing like crazy or whatever. Um, this isn't like super innovative, but like it's been a while since I played a Halo game, and I'm like, I'm loving it, man. I don't know. What's well, like Call of Duty, right? Really it good. feels. It just feels good. Like you can say whatever you I want like... about the game around it, but like the gameplay just feels good. Yeah, it feels great. Um, I replayed the series when the Master Chief Collection came out, and I think that the 343 games play marginally better than the Bungie games. Um, and I know that Bungie never made a Halo game on this generation, but uh, even Halo 3 to 4, I think, is a very big improvement uh, with what 343 yeah. was able to do. It's, I have to, I'd have to go back to 3 in the earlier ones, but like from what I'm thinking now, like I'd agree. Like, percent like four and five like feel really good especially not being able to solve... aim down sights it just doesn't feel right oh that's true and that's kind of a, i think a product of the time maybe i don't know but but they still haven't solved like my single and greatest gripe of all halo games and i don't know why when you're playing through campaign missions you start out with your your battle rifle battle rifle or your assault rifle right your unsc standard weapons and then you run out of your first set of ammo really, really quickly, of course, and then you're stuck using plasma pistols and fucking, you know, plasma rifles, and it's like, it's not as cool. Like, I want well, a I battle mean, rifle, you, man. They they <laughs> do that on purpose because if you're able to run through the the whole campaign with just a BR, then you're just going to dominate. Like, they, I think they do it for balancing and stuff and make, forcing you to use other weapons. You know what I mean? I don't think it'd be as good yeah. of an experience if you're just able to carry a BR through the entire game. The well, then they need to like weapons not, in four. I think are better than the UNSC stuff. They're okay. I just, it's Jared. I would get your point, and that would be valid if the other, all the other weapons didn't completely suck and not necessarily. They're they're good. They're effective. You know, they kill people. Even like yeah. like the needler is really effective, but I hate the damn thing. I don't want to use it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Even the plasma pistol is actually ve- a very good weapon, but I hate to use it, man. Like, they they need to make the other weapons as fun to use as the battle rifle for not. You know what I mean? It's yeah. More like that. But anyway, but in real, like, it, if this happened in real life, right? If we met aliens and they had weapons, don't you think you'd definitely want to use, check out their weapons <laughs> way more than like human weapons? <laughs> their weapons would be so much better than ours, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would um, be so cool. But just yeah, I understand you. The BR is just like it's comfort food. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I really like this campaign, so I'm digging it. I'm gonna finish it up this weekend probably. So I'm not doing multiplayer anymore. Xbox Live lapsed. I'm not going to turn that shit back on. But anyway, um, I also finished up Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. You know, it was a PS Plus game from like a year or two ago. Finally got around to it the last two weeks. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a walking simulator, right? I think it's good. I think it's a, it's, a, a really pretty it's good it's freaking beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. And, and I like, like the concept of you know everybody just kind of like the leftovers people just kind of evaporating or whatever i like that but yeah it, it there isn't i will say there's not a whole lot of interesting that stuff that comes from that you know yeah i don't know i i was really interesting all along the way like i was really into each of the individual characters and their stories and the what's going on and i was yeah i'm looking through every room and i'm like i'm literally looking like oh like a cigarette tray is still smoking how long ago and i'm like what's going on here and i'm reading pictures on the wall and i'm trying to put things together and i didn't put everything together you know with each last character but like these games because they're short and they're not there's not really gameplay so to speak they kind of like 
they rely heavily on their endings, right? So, like, I kind of felt the same as I did with Gone Home. I'm like, that was good, but, like, the ending kind of just kind of falls flat, even though I didn't know what else it would have been, especially in this game. Like, the ending is kind of, like, more or less what you expect. Um, I don't know how else... I don't know how you make it better, but it's kind of just... Uh, kind of just falls at the end. I'm just... Ugh, all right, I guess I'm done. Um... Then I went and looked up a bunch of theories on everything that's going on and yada yada, but I don't know. It was good overall, I'd say. It's good. It was definitely worth it as a PS Plus game. So Yeah. I like Dear Esther, their first game. I haven't played, obviously, everybody's gone to the Rapture, but, like, I love Dear Esther, and Amnesia Machine for Pigs is, like, super dope, too. So I'm still interested to get around to playing it. It's, it's a cool concept for a walking sim, right? Because it's like, oh, if everybody's disappeared, that kind of leaves it gives you an excuse to be the only person walking around, right? Um, I would be interested to see if we ever get a walking sim that plays out kind of like um, partially like a, a quiet place where you go to this like town and everyone's gone. But it's not actually that everybody like died or disappeared. It's just like they had to move away from a city or something. And you actually – it like – it turns into a game where you have to like maneuver around and stealth and get away from monsters and stuff. You know what I mean? So it's not just like mm. walking sim, looking for information kind of thing. It turns t- kind of into like, like a horror uh, game. Sounds more it's like, like Outlast. Outlast, yeah. Um, but I guess yeah, partially like Outlast, but that I think that's super horror. I'm thinking more of like. And then from the beginning, horror. from the beginning, you know, Outlast is a horror game. I'm talking like this settles you in as a walking sim and slowly peels back the layers of it being more of like a monster horror game. You know what I mean? Kind of like that's what I wanted Gone Home to be, and then it obviously wasn't. <laughs> yeah, um, but you, that, that you reminded me of a good point. The last thing I want to say on everybody's gone to the Rapture is, unless I missed it, you never actually find out who you are, or if you're even a person, and it, that doesn't make sense if unless you play the game. But like. You figure out everything that happened, and for the most part, you get like the nature of it, but not fully, because that's kind of the point. I know I'm speaking really abstractly, but that's that's what this game is about. Yeah, yeah. Dom, did you figure but out how you, to run? Yeah, yeah, it it, it tells you. I think uh, people oh, had a problem you. when it first came out. It didn't tell you. No, or something, I played through so the they whole had to game patch just in. walking. Yeah, I played it online. And even when you even when you run it, you had to like build up speed. And then it's still not very fast. I don't know. But yeah, I was kind of like, when I thought about it after, I was looking up theories, and I was like, oh, one of the theories is like, you might actually be this person, or you might not be a person at all, and you're just this light, or you might be this. And I'm like, holy crap, that's right. I have no idea who I was the whole time. And maybe that's the point, but if it is, it was lost on me. I don't know, man. Things like that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not analytical and artsy enough to understand, I guess. But the fact that it has you thinking about it, though, means it accomplished something, at least. Yeah, no, it's it's. I, <laughs> I thought about the game a lot. Yeah, because I played it in like three or four sessions, um, which is probably not normal. Probably most people play it in one or two, it's like a four or five hour game. But yeah, throughout, I I was thinking about it a lot. I was like, what's going on here? And these people, I don't know. So it, it had a good, it had that effect. So I guess that's a good sign. Yeah, and I mean, in order to be, like, affected by something in an interesting way, it doesn't always necessarily need to be positive either. Like, just experiencing something, mm-hmm. whether you dislike it or like it, it still could be a, a good experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. A worthwhile yeah. experience, I guess. So. Yeah, that's what I've been playing. Nice. Um, you want to cover the, the one show, or you want to move on to Jordan? Oh, yeah. First episode of Better Call Saul dropped. It's still the same show, and it's still brilliant. I can't wait to see the rest of the season. Yeah, and also, I'm going to pop in there and say, I think it's season six of Orange is the New Black came on Netflix. And so, we watched that, and it was the best season of that show yet, and I really liked it. And at the end of it, it had me thinking about it for a good long while as well. I was like, ah. It does a lot of things really well. And the last the last episode particularly is really good. It you know, kind of closes a lot of loops. Realize like oh shit moments like several so yeah (laughs) so really enjoyed that some of the middle seasons were weaker um but uh season five like the whole season was a prison riot which is interesting definitely different they needed that and then this season six was kind of like the fallout from the prison riot so to speak so i don't know it did it did a lot of different things and i really liked it so i had to pop that out there nice uh, Jordan, what have you been playing? 
guess I'll just pop in then and uh, let you know. Uh, <laughs> I actually haven't been playing anything. I've uh, been watching and reading quite a bit. Uh, finished reading Avengers vs. X-Men, uh, the comic event that kind of leads into Marvel Now from 2012. Uh, and I really enjoyed Avengers vs. X-Men. Um, it's I read uh, like every issue that was connected to it, and um, there's plenty of stuff that you don't necessarily need to read, but there is... Uh, the main series, obviously, and I think that that shit was really fucking good. Um, 12-issue series uh, about kind of the return of the Phoenix Force and how uh, the X-Men want to handle it and how the Avengers want to handle it. And um, so I really enjoyed that, and now I'm uh, reading several different series in Marvel Now and uh, enjoying those as well. Um and also keeping up with uh, Marvel Fresh Start, as I've been uh, doing. And then I've also been reading Batman Hush, uh, which is from several years ago. It's Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, um, and it's really good stuff, man. Jim Lee uh, is such a cool artist, and he makes Batman's uh, just Gotham, everybody in it, look awesome. Uh, so I'm really enjoying uh, Batman Hush. And uh, read a miniseries, a comic miniseries called Abbott uh, from Boom Studios. Um, that was great about a, um, a black female reporter in Detroit in the 70s that has to deal with these um, magical issues um, for these um, like murders that she's investigating. Um, that, that was the big thing going on in Detroit for black people. In the 70s. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of <laughs> magic shit in the '70s. So um, those spells were off. Look where Detroit is now. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a like history check or whatever. That was. I feel like it was the '70s when there was like all the riots in Detroit. Maybe it was the '80s. I don't know. Never mind. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> anyways um, so yeah, I've been reading a lot of good uh, comics. Enjoying that shit for sure. And uh, then I've also so I was uh, messaging you guys about the the show The Sinner, and uh, season one is eight episodes. Season two just started actually. Uh, episode two of season two just now came out, and uh, the first season it's like kind of an anthology series. I would consider it one because uh, the first season stars Jessica Biel and uh, Bill Pullman. And um, the second season just has Bill Pullman playing the same character but investigating a different case since he's a detective. Um, so that's pretty cool. But the first season, uh, eight episodes, Jessica Biel uh, in the beginning of the show just um, murders the shit out of this guy and you have no idea what the fuck's going on. She seems like a normal suburban mom um, but just stabs the shit out of this guy in public one day. And so the eight episodes is like figuring out the whole story behind it and why she actually did it. And it's fucking incredible, man. Um, if you're into crime drama, if you're into thrillers or um, anything along those lines, mysteries, uh, murder mysteries, it is incredible. Uh, it's extremely well filmed. Um, feels like you're watching um, like a six-hour indie movie. Um, and very creative uh, cinematography for TV because unfortunately I feel like there's a lot of TV shows that um, have a very similar look and have very similar shooting styles these days um, which they look good but they're just um, they've kind of found a formula for what good TV shows should look like nowadays and this shakes that up quite a bit and it looks incredible um, but you guys obviously know I am not into binge watching stuff especially if it's like an hour long drama I could maybe watch two or three episodes at most at a time uh, but I watched uh, all eight episodes in one night uh, for this show I just just really uh, kind of like a book you can't put down um, it was just one of the best TV series I've seen in a long time also big shout out to USA because uh, this is a USA show um, so with this and where Mr. Robot's at going into season four. I think they've easily got two of, if not the two best television shows running right now. 
Um, so easy. shout out to them. Yeah. Well, oh, I thought you meant like easily, <laughs> easily the two best shows. No, yeah. like, like Mr. Robot, especially with what they did season three, kind of um, getting back uh, from season two, which wasn't as good as season one. Um, and then I'm telling you, man, the center is some of the best shit I've seen in a long time. So easily two of the best shows on TV uh, for USA. So shout out to them and uh, highly, highly recommend the center. Um, although I also mentioned to you guys, it has one of my number one sins, uh, which is it has a scene taking place in 2012, uh, which is in a bar and in the bar, there's a song from 2017 playing. And I'm like, fucking kill me now, because if you have a scene set in, quote unquote, the real world, and it's in a certain year, and then you're playing a song from five years later, I want to punch you in the head. Um, it sounds intentional. <laughs> no, I, don't, I really don't think it was. Um, another just an oversight, that, I assume. Moneyball, the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt, uh, his daughter in that movie plays this song on guitar a couple times throughout the the movie and it's from like 10 years after the movie is set and i'm just like fucking come on people that's bad bad filmmaking so anyways it's uh for me the one thing with the one thing with me that's bad about that is when somebody that's younger hears the song the original song to uh a new song that sampled it and they're like oh they Uh, copied that new song that's how it's like no that's that's the original (laughs) it came like 40 Uh, years ago yeah yeah, yeah. oh my god um before we hop into news real quick two things i forgot to mention i finished season two of young justice jordan great payoffs to storylines from season one um i will say at the beginning of season two you'll get a little flustered um because they introduce a lot at you at once and you're like whoa what's going on here it's like pulling in two different directions but then it like in the first couple like five episodes it like smooths out and shows you this is exactly why we did that and then it starts paying off on a lot of things from season one really great so um, I don't want to uh, spoil anything. I also just want to give a shout out. I watched the movie Ingrid Goes West with Aubrey Plaza and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. A lot of people have been telling me good things. I was finally, uh, I was glad to finally watch it because it's really, really good. Um, and then, um, oh, mother effer, what was that second one? Oh, yeah. Uh, so... A while back, I read the comic book uh, limited series "I Kill Giants" uh, because uh, kind of funny was doing it for their like comic book club or whatever that they used to do, and um, then all of a sudden they just put out this indie film adaptation of it with uh, Zoe Saldana and Imogen Poots, and it's really fucking good. It's an amazing adaptation of an amazing comic. Um, so I won't get into the plot of either of those two things that I just mentioned because they are pretty detailed and intricate, but I would highly recommend both of them. Yeah, they're both on my watch list. I'm going to watch the movie as soon as I read um, the, the I comic, but it's really on my like, to read list. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like something totally up my alley. It's like, uh, what's the name of that movie where, like, in the book where, like, the girl has an imaginary friend and then, like, he dies, she dies, like, walking over the river? Bridge to Terabithia? I think that's what it is. I know Bridge to Terabithia, but I never would have connected it to that description. (laughs) Yeah, just like a little girl in imagination stuff. Anyways, sounds super cool. I'm super excited to get into it. The last thing, real quick, Jordan, I need to uh, link you to this interview that uh, Jordan Vote Roberts did, the guy who's trying to get this Metal Gear movie made. He did a 30-minute interview. I don't know if you saw it for Collider. It's really interesting, especially for somebody who doesn't really care about Metal Gear. I found it really interesting. And people who are super into Metal Gear say it's awesome to hear this guy talk about the franchise. So I need yeah, to send it to you. There's a really interesting question where they talk about, obviously, video game movies and how no video game movies are good. But Jordan Vogt Roberts has a comeback to it. And he says, actually, there's three really good video game movies. He says, Kubo and the Two Strings showcases RPG and Zelda-like games, upgrading your armor, doing that type of stuff. He talks about how Snowpiercer puts 2D uh, side-scrollers into the film realm, which is really interesting. And he obviously he goes more in-depth on these. And then the last one was um, uh, Live, Die, Repeat um, with, obviously, Tom Cruise and uh, what's her name? Help me out. My girl, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt, yeah. So he goes and he says, like, those are technically, like, video game movies, the way they're, they're shot and edited and filmed and... 
he, he's a really smart dude. He has a really a lot of really cool ideas, so I definitely need to link you to it because I really hope that guy's able to make the movie he wants to make. Because he's I got to give a shout stuff. out to the Ratchet and Clank movie. People shit all over that, and it is not nearly. I have no idea why people hate that fucking movie. It is bad as far as video game <laughs> adaptations. It is the best video game adaptation I have ever seen. Yeah. Period. Like that's probably true. And Still uh, bad. Another thing. So many people have talked shit about this movie, and then they're like, yeah, but I haven't seen it. I'm like, go fucking kill yourself, man. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, Jordan, I haven't actually seen it, though. No, <laughs> I, 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 watched the, I watched the first 20 minutes, and I was like, I just can't do this anymore. But do you even, do you watch animated stuff? It was on Netflix, so I checked it out. And typically I don't, but yeah. Yeah. It just, you're, you're not the type of person that watches animated stuff in general, though, right? I mean... That's just kind of the way it happens. Yeah. I, you know, I don't have like a strict rule or yeah, something. Yeah, we can but... see your nose all the way well, up in the air, don't <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying you know, you, everyone has like tastes, right? So like it's not like you're saying I don't watch animated movies, but if you don't really have a taste for them and they're not your thing, then obviously you're probably going to judge a genre you're not fully in love with harder than somebody who like kind of likes that genre. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, I don't know, though. I like a lot of Disney's animated movies, especially, um, man, like WALL-E. Whew. That one kills me. Uh, I'm not saying um, all three Toy Stories, but I will say uh, America is uh, puts a lot of stigmatization on anim- animation and treats it as childish. <laughs> Kubo and the Two Strings is a great example of like a fuck you in that situation. Like, no, this is a damn good movie. And yeah, Kubo is awesome. Like, I really don't like when I hear American adults say like, um, "Oh, you should check out this movie. It's really good." Yada 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 yada. The animation's good. Oh, the, it's animated. Yeah, I'm not interested. Like, well, the fuck. crazy thing is, like, oh, yeah, okay. Young Justice has, a, especially in season two, season one as well, has a lot more adult tones than I see in like a lot of live action shows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, like it's a lot of and like Ferb has so many innuendos you would not fucking believe it if you watched <laughs> an episode of that show. Uh, so uh, let's get to the little bit of news we have. We have one. I want to say a big story. We have one story and then a bunch of quickies I want to get to. So the first thing is we had the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Direct. Um, Some interesting information came out. So Nintendo and series director Masahiro Sakurai uh, held this Direct because they wanted to talk about some more details about Smash. We'll probably get another one before the game comes out, announcing a couple more characters, I'd assume. Um, But the biggest announcements are they announced Simon and Richter Belmont from Castlevania. Simon being from, you know, the regular Castlevania games, and Richter came in later during uh, Blood of Rondo. Um, really cool video. They showcased Luigi in his Luigi's Mansion thing with his vacuum, and he gets killed by death. Gets a soul ripped out of him. Um, they also showcased King K. Rule from Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong in general. Um, he's going to be added to the game. They showed off that there's going to be 103 stages, 800 plus music tracks, um, the UI design of the game, and a bunch Sorry, of other details. Jared. I'm going to need you to go back, and I... I know that you said this correctly, but I need you to repeat how many music tracks are in this game for me. 800 plus. Jesus fucking Christ. When they say Smash Bros. Ultimate, they fucking mean Ultimate, you guys. Well, the crazy thing is it's 800 plus, and then they said 900 if you add all the menu music and stuff, but 800 yeah. like, music tracks like for video games. And it's crazy, like, even if you don't play Smash, but you're a fan of video, like classic video game music, 60 bucks for like 800 tracks is kind of crazy. It's like the biggest, it's like the most comprehensive collection of all of that music. It's really fascinating. Um, here's the thing. For those to actually be in the game in like decent quality... How big is yeah. the game going to be? That's insane. Right. Um, so, for you guys, I have two questions. The first one is, what do you think the biggest announcement from this is? For me, I think it's the Castlevania characters. I think King, King K. Rool, though, it's like surprising and people wanted it. It's like a Donkey Kong character. I think the Castlevania thing, the fact that Konami is like, yeah, sure, use Castlevania, I think well, is that huge. that and the fact that, you know, Smash Bros. finally has Castlevania characters, and it's, you know, in this one that's called the Ultimate version essentially so it's like that's a big fucking deal my only complaint is i i i personally wish they would have done simon and alucard i think richter's okay but it's just i don't know they're they're i think it's weird that it's not two characters like one of them's an echo character richter is yeah richter's an echo character um and obviously they showed dracula as a boss battle and stuff the other one i didn't mention was um rathalos from monster hunters in the game is an assist trophy and a boss which is really cool um 
So that's really this game. It, it's fun. odd. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it. The one thing I want to ask you guys: Did both of you watch the direct at all? No, I did not. No. So they showed I a usually, menu screen. Unless it's like E3 or you know, if it's a big fat direct, I might watch it. But most of the time, I just uh, like read the live blog from GameSpot or somebody like that, and then watch trailers if they're you know it's a big game. Yeah. Uh, so they showed off the menu screen, the main menu, and the bottom left corner of it, this green area was like um, uh, blurred out, so you couldn't tell what it said. And on the side, they have the side menu that they introduced, which I think is Nintendo Online integration, because it has like the home button and it has like a mess, like a little envelope, and it has a bunch of like the settings gear. It seems to me like it's like the Nintendo Online thing that's going to be a part of the service when it launches. That's just my opinion. Anyways, on one of those, one of those things was like blurred out too. So my assumption is that the one they blurred out for the main screen, the green block, is probably the single player mode, like the title of it, because every Smash has its own oh, yeah. unique single player mode. The one on the right, it's going to break my heart because it's not going to be true, but I want to believe that that's like some kind of achievement thing because it's like it was near the top and it was blurred out and like it was like, like I said below it, it was like an envelope for messages and settings and like a question mark for help and I mean I've been playing video games forever and it seems like usually in those menu systems that placement is usually for an achievement or trophy type kind of thing. Obviously, I think I'm letting myself down. I don't think it's that, but... It's weird, like, what would it be? Like, what, what, why would they hide that menu thing? Like, what else could it be? You know what I mean? It's very odd. I totally agree. We'll see, I guess. It's like, why would they hide that little menu, that side menu thing? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, it is ridiculous that Switch doesn't already have a trophy system. Man, I kind of don't want one for the simple fact that, like, it's going to make me want to go and replay through Mario Odyssey and get all thousand moons again. <laughs> Unless Fucking I just, like, load it up and it unlocks them retroactively. That would be dope. Um, I guess we can do this. I not count on that. Yeah, I did won't. Um, I don't think we have anything else to say about Smash, right? I'm super excited for it. I know, Jordan, you're excited for it, and Dom, you're just like, yeah, whatever. I think they're just blowing I mean, are we going to play this? I mean, you guys, like, are we going to play this I'm buying it. If you want to play, we'll play but I'm getting it. I'm so. sorry. <laughs> like, it sounded like Dom said, Jordan, are you going to kick my ass in Smash Bros. Ultimate? Because the answer is... what I was asking. Absolutely, yes. Because, I mean, I'll get it, man, but, like, I don't know who I'm going to play with. Well, I'm actually excited for the single-player campaign. And also, I want to learn how to play a Smash Bros. game. Like, fucking learn how to actually play it. Because they're more more deep than people give them credit for. And I've never actually just gotten, like, fucking good at a Smash Bros. game. Like I am at, like, Mario Kart or whatever. I'm, I'm interested to see who you guys will end up liking the most in meaning. Um... For me, my main is King Day Today, um, and yeah, he's great. And uh, the rumors of Goku, like if Goku gets announced, he'll be oh. my main for sure, hundred oh. percent. But uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, let's get to these quickies. So the first one, uh, Child of Light Two was teased via Ubisoft game director uh, Patrick Plord's tweet regarding the Nintendo Switch port of Child of Light. So we tweeted out this picture of Child of Light running on the Switch, and he said it's coming along, will be out soon. But in that picture, behind it, there's a, a a paper on his desk that says Child of Light Two on it, and it's like you know, coyly like hidden behind the Switch a little bit, so you can kind of only see of Light Two. Um, which I'm stoked for because we were, we were all assuming that UbiArt was dead. We didn't know what happened to it. So it's good to see some project come out of this. Hopefully it may not be UbiArt. It may just be Child of Light 2, you know. I Yeah, I guess. But I guess uh, the UbiArt properties, I'm glad those are alive. Or at least yeah, Child of is Light it, is. It was an engine though, right? Like they actually had a UbiArt engine? Yes. And you were correct that one time when you said did the Rayman game use it, it did. Yeah. So, um, the second announcement, I'm super excited for Child of Light 2. I love that first game. I would probably won't pick it up again on Switch because I, like, I, I 100%ed it on Xbox. Might, so, I'm like, I, I have no need. But, <laughs> I, have, yeah. I have that game in a lot of places, but I might still do it. Um, second up, Studio MDHR, via their Twitter, announced that Cuphead has eclipsed 3 million copies sold. So awesome. For a company like that, like that poured all all of their resources into making that game, you know what I mean? Like, oof. Is um, it just twenty nineteen as far as we know for the DLC? 
Yeah, no, the no official word on specific date, but three million copies. It's great for that game, man. I'm, yeah, I'm happy because it showcases that if you're willing to put out a vision that you trust in and believe in, that people will love. And it, remember, this game was going to be a boss rush game, and then they heard the complaints and they went back and like changed a lot of the game um, and added a whole a whole lot of the game, a majority of the game, I think, from the final version of it. It's just cool to see it pay off. I love Cuphead. I think people would, would probably dig it just as much if it was just a boss rush. I think so, but I don't think it would have gotten as enough love from, like, Game of the Year or, like, the awards and, like, that kind of thing because it would just be seen as, like, a boss rush game. You know what I mean? Because um, it, it it went from being a boss rush to more of, like, a Mega Man-type game. Um, obviously, with Super Mario Brothers, uh, World, Overworld, and all that stuff. What were you going to say, Dom? Yeah. I know you just gave us some love, but like, dude, like this, this can't be understated. That's a lot, man. Like, okay, and, and you might say like, well, you got to divide it by three, right? Because it's a twenty dollars game, so it's you know if you're gonna compare it to other things, but then also consider it's an exclusive and it wasn't at retail, right? It's download only. So like, exactly. <laughs> that's a shit ton, dude. That's that's a lot. Like I, I remember like when Uncharted Four passed, you know, like. Four million or something in its first six months or something. Um, so like, obviously apples and oranges. That's not a direct comparison, but that's a lot of sales for. I would say dollar indie game, man. Yeah, this is totally different from a sixty dollar game selling one million copies or three million copies. I mean, for a game and studio this size, especially with what they know about like you know putting their house on the line, I think for this game to get done. Yeah. Uh, this is insane you know and and congrats to them for sure well and there's the opposite argument too with the 60 to 20 is a lot of times it seems like even though your game's cheaper it's harder to sell a 20 dollar game because some people don't think it's a real game you know what i mean as opposed to like a 60 dollar game they're like oh that's a real game you know so a bunch of weird arguments there but let's get away from that narrow-mindedness guys let's get away from that (laughs) from that biased Exactly, but Stigma. like you said, Dom, three million is no easy feat. It's really impressive. Um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's awesome. I can't wait to see what their next project is. I can't wait for that DLC next year. Um, speaking of big games, uh, Rockstar released the gameplay trailer for Red Dead Redemption Two today. I kind of feel bad for Telltale's The Walking Dead because they released the trailer for the final season today too, which is like Jeez. really. I didn't even know. Yeah, why didn't you choose a different day? But whatever. Um, and I didn't watch the trailer because I'm I don't need to know anything. Like I'm just give me that final season, just feed it to me. Um, but yeah, Rockstar released their first gameplay trailer for Red Dead Redemption Two. This follows in suit to the GTA Five gameplay trailers that we got, where it's um, a female narrating over, explaining things about the world. This is part one of a multi-part video series. Uh, the next one is going to focus more on, in my opinion, probably specific gameplay mechanics and like mission structure and stuff this one is kind of just more of an overview like an introduction and i think the third one will probably be red dead online um i don't know if you guys watched well, the trailer this one sorry yeah i watched it this one the focus the focus seemed to be around you know the camp mechanics i yeah. don't know if this was in the first game or not but and that seems like that's what this was introducing yeah yeah and, the, and explaining and i was i was really into that um i saw a couple of comments of people like well there's gonna be another fallout 4 thing where gotta get busy dealing with your camp and you don't want to and I'm like <laughs> yeah and it's even if that's a valid comparison i don't i don't even whatever it looked really cool man i don't I'm not even gonna get into the weeds on yeah. that argument or not but well, this shit looked really cool and I'm, I'm not like into red dead in general yeah i was like oh that's interesting like you got this just nomadic camp that you're pulling around and you got people like you just chat i don't know the way they sold it i was like that i was into um, i not, did not expect that well, even the dynamic conversation system where, like, you ride up on some guy getting attacked by some outlaw and you can either, like, you know, disregard it and keep going or you can choose to, like, antagonize them. Like, all of the different, like, uh, dialogue choices, like, dynamically. It's not like you're in a yeah, you're locked yeah. into a conversation like Bethesda style. It's like you're just, like, riding by and you can choose um, how to interact. The other complaint I saw is people are saying this doesn't seem like it's driving forward open world games. And I'm sitting there watching this trailer and I'm like, are you crazy? This thing what? has like one of the greatest lighting systems ever. Some of those shots where like the sun rays are coming through the clouds, 
It is gorgeous. Um, and obviously, an, an open-world game like that will never be as beautiful as, like, an Uncharted or a God of War just because simply the scope of the game. But for what it is, it is gorgeous. Like, even the details of, like, these little critters running around and all of these, like, background elements happening and um, the population density in areas, it's really impressive. Like, for people to sit there and be like, this doesn't look like it's moving the genre forward. I'm like, are you crazy? Has Rockstar ever released a, a major game like that and not done something that the industry looks at and is like... Oh wow! You know what I mean? It's crazy. I, I just people yeah. I think are so pessimistic. I it, think that was to be expected. I mean, we're probably going to hear more of that just because of the expectations that have been built up around this, and because it's Rockstar. It'll because, be cool to hate on Red Dead, right? Because of everything they've done in the past, that's actually going to have a slight effect of like, you know, what, those kind of comments of like, well, I don't know, it's not quite good enough, or you know, well, it's dude, not fuck those stupid Marvel or, movies. You know, just because they're popular, right? Right. They're actually well, yeah. good fucking movies, but they're popular, and so people hate them. And the, the crazy thing, too, with, like, Rockstar is I play so many open-world games. It's arguably one of my favorite genres outside of, like, 2D platformers and FPSs. I don't know. I like a lot of different types of games. Anyways, um, <laughs> Rockstar games, for me personally, when I play them, GTA Five was the only Grand Theft Auto I've ever, I've ever beat. I'm not huge into, like, playing through the Grand Theft Auto games, really. I loved Red Dead. Like, in Red Dead and Grand Theft Auto V, I still remember specific locations. And if you drop me into that game in the open world map, I can get to exactly, where, like, you, wherever you point out if there's these specific locations. And I think that's special in an open world game. Like, making a location feel so real that you remember exactly where it is even years after playing it. And, like, switching between uh, the characters on GTA is crazy, too. Like, I've never done that in a video game before. And that world is huge and... I'm I'm super excited for this game. It was exactly what I expected. Speaking of, can't wait. Speaking of that, speaking of switching characters, that they seem to kind of, I mean, by all intents and purposes, they kind of cut off that theory, right? They said that you play as Arthur Morgan. His name already, right? They and that's they said that as like one sentence, like just straight up, you play as him. Yeah. So a lot of people were speculating, right? Or would you switch between everyone in the gang, or what, are they even expanding that switching thing? But it seems like maybe they're going back, which which is fine. Well, I don't think they're but going back. One I think that they're, that's how you, they're showing that that's how you play Red Dead Redemption games. That's how this series is. Right. And maybe GTA yeah. 6, you'll be back to switching characters because now that's how we do GTA. I don't know. But I think this is just well, how you play Red Dead. And I think, too, it lends towards the themes and, and locations of those games is like, in, a, in a, a Grand Theft Auto game, it's all about modern culture and basically poking fun at the world we live in currently, right? And I think with that, you have different people come from different aspects of life and have different opinions about those things. So like in GTA five, it helps to have some crazy hillbilly lunatic, some like skeezy criminal who's kind of rich and just a dude coming out of, you know, out of the, the low end income, trying to make something about him like for himself. And those all, people can relate to all three of those characters. So I think that having multiple characters helps you deliver that message of like the society we live in is kind of dumb, right? Whereas with Red Dead, it's a Western and you want to have the feeling of you are the outlaw, you are the cowboy, you are the hero. So switching between them, though it could be interesting, I think having that one character that you tell the entire narrative through helps with that. You know what I mean? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and, It's something that it has to be the design from the very beginning either way. Yeah. It's funny. Like, So Spider-Man and Red Dead are both games that everything I've seen has never really got me by surprise or shocked me because I've already I already expected that level of quality before I saw like the major breakout of everything which I think is a good thing cuz I think my expectations are in place like I expected Insomniac to crush it with the Spider-Man game that just makes sense and with Rockstar it's like they don't make bad games you know what I mean um or they haven't at least their last couple of attempts so like I'm I already expected it to be phenomenal so like I didn't get so shocked by the gameplay trailer I'm just like I expected it to be this. I'm like, yeah, 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 you know, so. There's just so many minute details in that trailer. Like, you can go back and rewatch it, and there's so many little things happening, so many subtle things. Um, the way they change the dead eye is really cool. Um, Jordan, did you play the first Red Dead? Yeah, I haven't finished it, yeah. Uh, you know how when you use dead eye, how you mark the different characters, and then every for every one it shoots, it changes the camera to specifically point at them, and it's a little jarring? It's like, oh, that's weird. Like, boom, I don't boom, boom. actually think I got that far to have that ability. Okay, so anyway, you know what Deadeye is though, right? You mark like three or four people and then it shoots them all for you. It's like automated. So in the original Red Dead, it like cuts different camera angles between each one. And it's like really jarring and weird. 
the way it works in Red Dead 2 is that you control the camera. So once you mark all of them and it starts shooting, you have free control of the camera to like look at Arthur Morgan and make it cinematic or like point at each one as they get shot. It's like freely up to you. So it's not as jarring, which I personally like. Um, but yeah, the, God, this world is going to be so detailed. Um, earlier in the trailer, he like you kill somebody, and later in the trailer, you're like randomly walking through the city, and this like lady walks out. And she's like, "You bastard! You killed my cousin!" It's like whoa! It's like out of nowhere. Just like it's really cool. I'm really excited about it. Um, before we close out, you we have your, your dead eye, dead eye system. I liked it better when it was called Vats, and it was in Fallout. <laughs> It's gotten better. Vats used to be really bad, though. Fucking um, fanboy. Uh, last story here. Uh, PlayStation unveiled the limited edition translucent, I would call it Midnight Blue, uh, PS4 Pro 2TB console. In celebration of reaching 500 million PlayStation... Yeah, 2TB. 500 Ooh, million uh, PlayStation console sold lifetime, so that's across all generations. Um, there's only 50,000 that were made, and they'll be available on August 24th for 500 US dollars. Um, looks really cool. Uh, it's oh, they were saying it's like a throwback to '90s. I don't see what that relates to <laughs> personally. I don't get it. It looks cool. I like the way the console looks. I think it's pretty. I just don't understand. What like, does it have to do with '90s though? Yeah, I missed that part. Like obviously the the other one, the PlayStation One throwback. I get it. Obviously, this one I'm like, I don't. What is that in reference to? I felt dumb because I'm like, I don't want to come out and say what is this in reference to, and everyone's like, Oh, Jared, you don't know the, you know. <laughs> so I was like, that's weird. I, mean, I just didn't get it. The, I've seen those, you know, like old Dual Shocks that are see through. Uh, it's still a little different. I don't know. Yeah, um, Dom, you brought up a point, but like five hundred dollars is obviously a hundred dollars more, but you're getting obviously two terabytes instead of one. You're getting the PlayStation camera. And then obviously it's fifty only fifty thousand of them made, so it's like a limited edition, right? So that's probably where they find the value in charging an extra hundred dollars. That yeah. It's um, all in that limited number of consoles available. If we weren't so late in the generation, um, I might think about upgrading my pro. Uh, no. Well, I have a two terabyte pro, but you know, just the casing would deliver. I mean edition. I might to be honest, this is the kind of thing that like if I you might grab and just leave it in the box. Grab as many as you can and then triple your investment in a few years right yeah like man that that ps1 one god is probably like through the roof right it's like 800 dollars or something it's crazy that was for the like the custom painted one that you can okay still buy ad hoc but i'm sure if if you look on ebay for like an actual one of those ps1 ps4s 1200 dollars or something but i think it has to get into the thousands yeah i'm gonna check and i'm gonna the crazy thing is that's still cheaper than uh, a lot of uh, graphics cards still because of the damn Bitcoin thing. Um, I hate that whole situation. Um, the funny thing with the play, this new PlayStation console is that the people who just bought the Spider-Man one, the people who weren't able to get a hold of it at least now have something else they could buy. But then the people who bought the Spider-Man one, I like the Spider-Man one more than this one personally, but I mean, they're both cool. I like them both That one's one terabyte, correct? Yeah, the Spider-Man one, yep. And there's also a slim version of that. There's not a slim version of this. But the slim version of the Spider-Man yeah, slim one is it. only in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so weird. Uh, <laughs> anyways, that closes out episode 106 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. In terms of what we're going to be playing, Arkham City, going to be diving into that some more. Uh, Octopath Traveler and Hollow Knight, see what I get to there. My 10 hours are done with Madden, so until I buy that game, I'm not going to be playing it until then. Um... Yeah, and just grinding away, waiting for Spider-Man. And uh, I think that's pretty much everything for me in terms of video games. What about you guys? Halo 5. Yeah, I might be doing that too. Awesome. And actually, um, I was thinking I have Red Dead Redemption on PS3, but now that I have a 1S Xbox console... Um, backwards compat, baby. I I could be playing the backwards compat at sixty frames a second, and it looks really good at sixty frames. It looks better on a One X with like the four K upscale, but uh, even just the sixty frames on the One S looks <laughs> fucking dope. Don't you think it's so funny that you uh, PlayStation has the marketing rights to Red Dead Two, but the best way to play the first game is on Xbox. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Um, any other games you guys want to mention, or is that it? So, um, probably just that stuff, 
yeah. Persona I'm, three dancing all night. I know you're excited for that. <laughs> <Just kidding>. um, <laughs> I mean, maybe down the road. Probably you know that's not going to be something I get at launch. Um, Did I you hear the thing about One Punch Man? Octopod. By the way, uh, you know the anime One Punch Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're releasing the first episode of season two this year, but then the rest of the season won't air until 2020. You're joking. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Fuck that. That worries me because they actually changed uh, studios. I think. Yeah. Uh, the old studio is like producing or something. I don't know. I'm worried about One Punch Man too, though. I'll say that much, and that does not yeah. <laughs> that does not help anything right there. That news. So, anyways, um, yeah, I'm very excited for Spider Man. I'm really starting to feel the hype on that game, um, and we're less than a month away, so very excited about that as well. Uh, yeah, the last thing I want to mention before I close out the show with the whole rigmarole is uh, they they released the Spider Man Annual for this uh, number one. I don't know if you saw that, Jordan, but I guess. In it, they unveil Miles Morales' like first suit he ever had. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, so that is uh, like, I guess I'm trying to say that's not really part of Fresh Start, so I didn't fuck with it. No, no, no. Yeah, it, it pertains to like technically, I guess his all new, all different Marvel se- uh, series, because um, his series is just called Spider Man, whereas Peter Parker's series is The Amazing Spider Man, or yeah. Renew Your Vows, or Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man, or the four other fucking series that are about Peter Parker Spider-Man. Um, so yeah, that's why I didn't uh, read that. I didn't read it either. I just saw like the story about it, and I was like, it's a cool thing to just like Google and look at. You know what I mean? The picture of his like OG suit. Um, Hopefully, I'll get it's... around to uh, eventually. You know, getting back through and, and reading all that. A N A D Marvel. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to episode 106. If you can, please follow us on iTunes. Leave a review if you can. Definitely helps us. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Like the video and share it if you can. Um, you can follow us at Twitter at CTRLINT. That's controlled interest abbreviated. You can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Jordan at Melomotus. And you can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. We will catch you guys next week when hopefully Dom's be in Halo 5 and I have played Octopath Traveler Hollow Knight and I'm not glued to Arkham City or something else. So, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.